Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Corey Pollard is back at quarterback now. Corey's in the end zone. Gets it away. Deep down the middle. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on when you may be listening. This is the 11th episode of Something's Brewing. How's everybody doing? So we talked a little bit last week, Producer Dan. By the way, how you doing? I'm doing fine. Yeah? Yeah. And, you know, we're on Saturday morning. It seemed morning. like kind of a, an obligatory question, though. Yeah, I felt like I was just it trying was to fill the space. a little bit of an afterthought. Yeah, yeah. thanks. Do you, feel, do you feel awkward that we're doing this Saturday morning instead of Friday or Thursday night? Yeah, because my tongue is not awake. Yeah, well, we're going to need you to step it up because you remember last week how we were expecting to have uh, Drew Bennett? Yeah. So, so he uh, he's available, and uh, do you mind trying to get him on the line? Oh, should I do that right now? Yeah, try and get him on. Yeah, okay. So, super excited to have him on the line. Hopefully, he's available. Is he? What is he? Looking? Yeah, we've got Drew. Drew, you there? I'm here. All right. So, Dan, I told you hey, last sorry week. Sorry about last week. I, yeah. I feel awful. Okay, well, thank you, and our listeners appreciate that, and we appreciate you following through because uh, we we were excited to have you on last week, but we, you know, conflict of, of schedules. But do you realize that this is episode number 11? And do you know that Drew was number 11 in college? <laughs> Are you serious? How great is that? <laughs> do you know why I was number 11? Because somebody else took number 10. That's right. Some big recruit out of the Midwest refused to come to UCLA unless he got number 10, which happened to be my number. Right. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> they gave it to Corey. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and at the, at the time, he, he, he took it in stride, but we were friends ever from that point on. That was the thing that, that bonded you and, and Yeah, well, that was the start, you know? Yep. And, and so we're going we're gonna to take a step back. I feel like I'm going to try and be the Howard Stern of Sports Talk Radio today. Beautiful. Because um, we're so, again, excited to have Drew on. But so, you know, Drew, give us a little bit of background. You know, you grew up in Northern California. Um, you know, obviously a fantastic NFL wide receiver. But also, Dan, I want to tell you, arguably the best athlete I've ever been around in real life. Okay. Yeah, like, it, I think if I knew anything about sports, I'd be really tongue-tied right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, t- like super fanboyed out right now. Yeah, this is, he's the like, biggest celebrity right. we've had so far. For sure. Without well, a doubt. If you, were, if you were a big fan of fantasy football for three weeks in 2004, you totally would be. Because that's my peak. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and we're going to get to that later, his his sort of the crescendo <laughs> of his career. But right. but let's start off with this, Drew. So as one of the arguably the best athlete I have ever been around ever, when did you know that you had superior athletic talent and how did it come to you and what what did you feel? You know, it's funny. When I was younger, I was always a little bit young for my grade. I mean, we've talked about this before. I was 17 when I graduated high school, 17 when I got to first training camp at UCLA. My mom had to actually, like I had to sit out the first practice because my mom had to sign my physical form at UCLA because I wasn't 18 yet. (laughs) So, you know, I was always younger. So early in my, you know, early in my athletic career, when I was a little kid, I was always playing against the same class with kids that are a year older. And as they're developing and I'm a year behind, uh, you know, I was young for my age as well. So it was always a little bit more competition for me because I was the smaller kid for a while. And I think that led to, you know, strong competitiveness and, you know, having to be quicker and faster than than the guys around me. So when I grew and became 6'5", it kind of just 
you know, came with me and I, I was still the, you know, kind of same quick, fast kid, that, but I was now six, five. And, you know, that makes it a lot easier in football and basketball and things like that. So, in, in what sport did you love growing up? Were you always uh, uh, focused on football? Were you a three sport athlete? Um, you know, what did you, when did you realize that, did you always love football? I did. I always loved football, but I got to say basketball was probably my number one love. Um, you know, I just happened to be my senior year in high school. I happened to be a better football player than I was a basketball player. So I took that direction and obviously it worked out pretty well, but wait a um, minute, you were telling me you were a better football player than basketball player. Your senior year of high school. I find that hard to believe as far as recruitability, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, when I, and the worst thing that could have happened to me for hoops was learning how to dunk. Uh, you know, my sophomore year, my, my junior in high school, I really started to, you know, to be able to jump and I could dunk and I all of a sudden stopped caring about shooting. And all I would ever try to do was dunk. So I was like, you know, one for 29 from three pointers my senior year. But man, I had some great dunks. <laughs> so, uh, Dan, the first time I saw Drew actually play basketball was in, 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 at an intramural game. A moral game mm-hmm. well um, at UCLA. It's like a like a fraternity. Drew was in uh, Sigma Chi, and so the only way I got to actually experience the fraternity uh, deal was through him. But I go watch him play in a, a fraternity basketball game, and I and I'm going to about to have to compete with him to see who's going to be the starting quarterback at UCLA, and he does a 360 dunk during the <laughs> fucking game. <laughs> it's like, all right, wah, wah, so wah, wah, we got you to dunk. Yeah, well, it, it, I want your listeners to know that maybe it was only that one day, but I saw Corey pause in Poly Pavilion stuff a basketball. Did, did you hear that? How many guys were you standing on? No, no, <laughs> zero. But the whole thing was Drew taught me how to jump because I was jumping from either too far away. I was jumping from too far away, gotcha. and, all, and all he did was like talk to me like I was five, <laughs> and then I, and and all of a sudden I I actually moved my arm back one time. Total white guy dunk, but still, wow. Um. So so Drew, moving on with uh, so talk a little bit about let's let our listeners know about you know our sort of relationship and how that kept going, because as many people know, you know Cade McNown, you know really, really great attitude type of guy, um, was we needed to replace one of the one of the arguably one of the better college quarterbacks in the in the history of college football certainly UCLA so then you and I have to beat out like Scott McEwen, JP Lossman, Ryan McCann but I felt like it's it's sort of a unique situation uh, wouldn't you agree well, I got I got to jump in now and tell the real story of the first time I saw you Corey okay, well, the first time I That's saw you on the football field okay. so you know I was kind of I was the backup for Cade for several years actually for 3 years you know two and a half years from my freshman year through the, that redshirt junior year that we were all competing. And the first offseason, you know, like seven on seven in the summers that we used to do with all the big crew of guys that were coming in to replace Cade, Corey Paz, Ed Stansberry, Ryan McCann, Scott McEwen, they're all out there for the first time together. And I remember throwing the ball, doing seven on seven, going through the workout, and then my dad called me. He's like, oh, so how'd they look? How, you know, how are the, how's your competition? I'm like, you know, there's a lot of good guys out there. You guys can spin it. The only guy I'm really not worried about is Corey Potts. <laughs> <laughs> See how that worked out. Yeah. He's like this sh- slow, short, white kid yeah. from Chicago. Yeah. Sidearm. He has really wide, weird hands. <laughs> <laughs> Bull-legged. Um, so... <laughs> 
<laughs> but I, I got to tell you, the, the the whole process though, with with being able to spend time with 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 Drew was was awesome. I mean, we're talking about like two people that the most important thing in their lives at that moment was like we both wanted to play quarterback. And the night before the biggest spring game where we were going to compete, he and I are drinking Red Dogs at the bar until I don't know, like midnight, nice. talking about how the the next day we were going to have to do this. <laughs> I mean, that's 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 unique. It and, was fair though. We both had the same amount of beers, got the same amount of sleep. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, I needed to make sure I watched him go to bed, right? Like I got <laughs> you know, like, to make sure this guy's doing. But and and I want to say, you know, he mentioned his father. So I remember how the way his family took me in, even as well. Like I, I was out, you know, thousands of miles away yeah. from home by myself. You know, didn't really know anybody whatsoever. The way his family treated me was was unbelievable, and still close with them to this day. I do have to say one thing about his family, though. The first time I was I was up at their house, his him and his brothers can clean a steak bone <laughs> like yeah, like better than a dog. Yeah. Am I right, Drew? Family been a gift. I tell you what, like I, people I, look at our play, like what the fuck happened to that thing? Yeah, I'm not. I actually <laughs> called my parents after this, and I she's like, so how was it up there? Like, well, these people are the most the sweetest people ever. I love them, him and his family. But I have never seen a human eat a bone like this. <laughs> and he calls me white trash. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, all right. So, so moving on, let me, Drew, what was it about? Um, it, did, I always felt like you in college had an air about you also that was way more, ma- I know this is going to sound ironic, but way more mature. Uh, then a lot of the football players, for instance, Dan, let me tell you a quick story. He would be doing crossword puzzles in the locker room with his legs crossed like a 50 year old. Uh, you know, he was, he was the Glasses only down the end of his nose. That kind yeah, of thing. exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was the only football player, not majoring in history. Right. And so Drew did, did, obviously you took your academics seriously. It was it the fraternity thing, you know, are you just a, you know, interesting soul? What, what, what was that? No, I don't know. I mean, I, I came, my parents, you know, pushed the importance of education, all that corny shit too. So I think that was just ingrained that, I mean, at that time, I didn't think I was going to play pro sports, right? So mm-hmm. you had to be a little bit serious about your academics. And I tell you, some of those summer jobs that the Bruins would post you in, you know, I'm putting insulation in at the basement of Loyola Marymount one summer. And I was like, uh-uh, like <laughs> arms all itchy. My ass is all chapped from wearing jeans when it's a hundred and humid. And I'm just no. like, hi. I cannot do this. I have to get good grades. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he was he was he was definitely one of the smartest. He was definitely the tallest midget when it came to intelligence <laughs> on the football team. I can tell you that. Um, another thing, he's a phenomenal skateboarder, Dan. And I was like, how can this guy be that good at skateboarding? What if he breaks an ankle right. or something? He didn't care. And the other thing that I can honestly tell you, best video game player ever. <laughs> Well, that's very specific, though. Where that's do you have the time? What's that? Not, do you not sleep? <laughs> no, actually, I'm a really good sleeper. I sleep he a He's not a good video game player anymore. I'm talking in college. No, but I'm just saying, like, football, basketball, skateboard uh, enthusiast, partying with yeah. Corey Paws. Uh, academics. Right. I mean, this. I'm telling you, this, uh, this is the most unique guy on the planet. I'm just not uh, sure he's human. That's all. He's not. <laughs> he's not. He's an alien. So, Drew, what was your favorite video game in college? One game. I mean, Bond. You know, the Nintendo 64 Bond was like, you know, the, the Fortnite of the old guys from oh, yeah. 1998. 
And I would sit and play that for hours and hours and hours. I remember somebody telling me like, oh, when, the, when you get shot and you pop up, you can actually figure out where you pop up. I'm like, that's impossible. Yeah. And then, you know, three weeks later, I'm walking around to where everyone pops up, killing them in the head. They're like, this is stupid. I don't like playing you. Right. It, it, I was, I was, I literally was like a 10 year old. I, I, I threw the controller down. I'm like, I'm not going to sit here and right. put myself through this. Every time I got killed, he knew where I was going to pop up and, and he shoot just me walk again. over there and shoot you. Yeah. I mean, nice. and you probably don't remember the game, but you get too close though, because then he popped his so really... All right. So, so moving through that, Drew, um, as you as you get through uh, the you know UCLA, uh, you, you obviously you're you're not going to get drafted. But would talk us through the you know, the free agent process and, and ultimately, yeah, talk. We were through, there. Well, so I was living with Corey in Santa Monica when this whole thing was going down. You know, I trained at UCLA, which is unheard of now, not getting you know specific tr- combine or senior day training, and I wasn't a name, so I, I had a senior day, not a combine invite. And by senior day, I mean like the you know same personnel people to go to the combine, come out and watch some of the guys work out at UCLA and throw routes. And so you know, I trained with Mike Lynn, the old you know UCLA guy, and we trained for I don't know whatever it is, the five six weeks before they come out. And every time we do these pro agility and these L drills that are really important for you know whatever, we're putting our I'm putting my hand down to support myself as I make the turn because it's a lot quicker. So. The, all the scouts show up. We're doing the first pro agility drill. I take off, put my hand down. The guy goes, whoa, what are you doing? I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, you can't put your hand down. So all of my drills I did for the first time at the senior day without putting my hand down. I'm like, thanks, Mike. You know, appreciate that. <laughs> but, um, you know, so we did the senior day deal. And, um, I, you know, my agent told me, like, oh, hey, so Sunday after the draft, this is back when it was just a two-day draft, you know, teams will start to call you in the sixth and seventh rounds and we'll, you know, figure out where you're going to be a free agent. And so the seventh round finishes. I'm sitting at home with Corey. We're living together with a bunch of guys in Santa Monica, and the phone doesn't ring all night. I'm like, wow, that was a fucking waste of time. So I uh, go out with Corey, and we celebrate the fact that I, you know, was not going to be a professional football player until very late. At 6 a.m. the next morning, my phone rings, and it's Steve Walters, the receiver's coach from the Titans, and goes, hey, Drew, you want to come be a Titan? I'm like, yes. <laughs> Will you pass a drug test? <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> how soon? Yeah. But so I literally, you know, so naive, I think I'm a Titan. And, you know, funny, fast forward, uh, I became friends after I made the team with this guy, Cole Proctor, that was the scout at UCLA. And I asked him, you know, like a year into it, like after I made the team, I said, Cole, what was it about my workout at, at UCLA that you liked? You know, what, what did you see? Because I, I really got one phone call and, uh, you know, had no other offers to, to even go to a camp. And he said, you know, your workout sucked, but I saw you playing basketball as you were warming up for the vertical jump in Poly Pavilion. And I saw you dunking shooting threes. And he's like, that's why I gave you, that's why I tried to convince him to give you a chance in camp. So anyway, oh I get the phone great. call from Tennessee. I'm so naive that I'm like, oh, I'm a Tennessee Titan. Awesome. I'm an NFL player. I get in my car and I drive to Nashville for rookie <laughs> camp. So whatever, what, 30 hours, whatever it takes to drive this to Nashville. I, ending well, is it? I walk into the rookie <laughs> mini camp and I walk into the receiver meeting room and there's X and Z on the dry race board. I'm the first one in there for this rookie mini camp. And the, underneath X is, is six names. Underneath Z is six names. And underneath that is a line. And underneath the line is my name. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I'm like, so you're uh, telling Coach me there's a chance. Yeah. I'm like, Coach Walters, what, you know, what is that? He goes, oh, it's the depth chart. And I'm like, well, why am I below the line? He goes, well, if we're going to make any roster moves for this camp, you're the first person the team's going to cut. And I went, Coach, I drove. Like, you got to let me get I drove 3,000 miles here. Come on, I, man. Well, I have to tuck my tail between my legs right. and drive back home. Can I dream for a day? 
So, oh my God. Yeah. Then the same thing. Like, so anyway, you go through the whole off season and I moved up a little bit. They drafted two guys that year that were both receivers. So, you know, I was competing against a pretty uphill battle. They had three veterans and or four veterans that had been there for a while and had been successful. So Neil O'Donnell, the old QB from, um, you know, Cincinnati and Pittsburgh and the Jets who played a long time. He was there and he was a little older kind of senior guy guys looked up to and he just took me under his wing for some reason. And really he was the guy that would make it super awkward for me, but it helped me in the middle of a practice. He'd be like, Bennett, or he called me slim. He'd be like, slim, get in here. And he'd kick one of the veteran receivers out and throw me a comeback and be like, all right, you know, go back to this. I'm like, wow. So Thanks, stuff Neil. like that. Yeah, just kind of like got me noticed. I had a, you know some decent preseason games, just you know by luck of chance. I'll you know go bore you with the whole story, but um, you know like crazy injuries, last minutes, and one time uh, in the first or second preseason game, the draft pick that the fifth round draft pick that was ahead of me on the depth chart right before the game told the coach that he was scared and didn't want to return punts. And so the guy was standing right next to me. He looks at me. He goes, "Drew, can you do it? I hadn't caught a punt in my life." And I'm right. like, "Of course." Yeah, of course. And I you do not have punt returner written all over you, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 47 ribs. I would, <laughs> I would be destroyed. So anyway, he looks at me, he's like, Kate, oh, that is like so pissed. He's like, Drew, can you return punts? Um, my agent told me, he's like, I don't care what they ask you, you just say yes. So I'm like, right. yes, no problem. He's like, okay, great. So I stood on the side of the whole game. I'm like, for the love of God, do not ask me to catch a punt. And he didn't, luckily. But uh, anyway, so I make, I make the team. And so the way it makes it the team. So Dan, like meaning makes the freaking team. Yeah. Like that's a and there's only a fifty two, Drew? Yeah, fifty three man roster. It, it immediately goes from being uh an undrafted free agent to even at uh you know minimum league minimum salary. What which was league minimum back then? Not to be two hundred and nine thousand dollars. Hundred and nine? Two hundred and nine. Two hundred and nine thousand dollars. He's twenty two years old. Right. Right? I mean, how freaking right. awesome. All right, continue. I just kept oh it cash. Yeah, he's like, can I take this in uh, gold? I'll see you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, so I make the uh, the way the NFL works, I don't know if you guys have discussed it already, is like it's kind of messed up the way the cut is. It's like there's no definitive time. They don't like post a list like you see. They just have a deadline. The NFL has a deadline saying, okay, by August 20th, you have to have your roster from 82, which is a camp amount, down to 65. And then August 30th, you have to have – your roster from 65 down to 53 and it can be any time, you know, most of the time it's pretty close to that cutoff day because they want bodies, but they can cut you any time. And this is back when it used to be, we had double days every day or we went two double days, you know, double day, double day, you know, single practice and special teams practice. And, you know, you did that. So like Navy seal workouts. Yeah. You know what I mean? You, have, you would have guys, but I mean, you just, you'd have a guy coming off the field after the second practice and the Turk, they called him, the guy who says, oh, I hate doing this, has been doing it for 30 years. Yeah, right, you hate doing it. Yeah, like, I'm pretty sure you're pretty senior here now and you don't have to do this, but you love it, you asshole. Um, so he would like, you know, he would open the doors in the locker room after practice and you'd see him, everyone would put their eyes down and be like, oh, man. You know, and he'd walk through and tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, coach, you know, wants to talk to you, bring your playbook. And it was just, uh, you know, uh, they would get guys after two, you know, double days, guys walk up the field and they'd be like, man, up yours. I, you guys knew you were going to cut me this morning, maybe do two practices, like two double days. Like that is, you know, you've seen grown men cry all this stuff anyway. But so you don't really know if you've made the team until all of a sudden it's five o'clock on the last cut day and you haven't been, you know, like he's walked by you in the locker room every time as you're holding your breath. And so this uh, last day they had this little barbecue across the field and it's basically like, hey guys, these are the, you know, we're going to make some changes here and there, but, um, you know, like this is basically the team we're going to start with. And if you're here at five o'clock, come across the practice field and we're going to have a little team barbecue to kind of celebrate the, the roster. 
So five o'clock hits, it's 5.05. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> I'm like, holy shit. So I step outside the door on my Nokia and I call my mom and I'm like, I'm about to tell my mom something. She goes, honey, we're so proud of you. I'm so sorry. I'm like, what? She's like, we read on Titans online that you got cut. I'm like, fuck mom, they didn't tell me. Like, I'm still sitting here. <laughs> so now I'm looking across the field and all these guys getting ready to celebrate the fact right, that- Right, I can smell like, the barbecue. Yeah, like they didn't, they didn't tell me. Like I, oh, it was so awkward. So I'm standing there. I'm like, what? Uh, I'm like, mom, I gotta call you back. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. So, it just so happens, my receivers coach steps out the door right there. I'm like, coach, did I make the team? He goes, I have no idea. You were so on the bubble. Let me like, let me go check. I'm like, what? <laughs> oh. He goes upstairs and he comes back down. He opens the door and he tells me the same thing he did the first day. Or no, yeah, he goes, uh, yeah, Drew, we, you you made the cut but you're the first person when we make any roster moves that we're going to cut. So like, don't go buy a car. That's what he told me. Like, oh, no problem. No problem. I already got a car, yeah. asshole. Yeah. Remember when I drove out? I did, I did go buy the Led Zeppelin 10 box disc set though. That was my, that was my- a boy. So, so Dan, just to put it into perspective. So that whole process, okay. He caught like six passes in college and that became the beginning of a 10 year NFL career. Eight, but we can round up. Eight. Well, eight-year eight NFL career. Now, mind you, the average time spent in the NFL is less than three, right? Yeah, I was going to ask you. Yeah, yeah. 2.4, 2.7, something Okay, like that. so less than three years. He so we're spent talking eight, eight. Eight years. But let's, let, so let's, let's put this in a timeline then. So this begins an unbelievable experience that he had, and I was able to experience it with him, of being a superstar in Nashville. Drew, what was it like to be cool in Nashville, because his jersey, more people bought his jersey than Steve McNair one year. Oh, yeah. So to put it in perspective, Drew, give us a little Nashville tidbit, would you? Yeah, no, it was a perfect town, right? Like it's the Southern hospitality. So people are friendly by nature there, you know, way more. I, I'll never forget pulling into Nashville when I first got out there after my really smart drive. Um, and I went through a drive through and I was so blown away that the woman that was working the drive through window was like, here you go. Thanks for coming. Have a nice day. And we'd been in L.A., where just the nature of people is so shitty right? You know, as yeah. far as like just, you know, friendly, you know, there's none of that Southern hospitality. People are very guarded, like a little bit just more private and this and that. And so it's like the, the fact that this woman had said that at a drive through window, I hadn't heard that in that situation <laughs> so long. I was kind of like, did you spit in my food? Like, yeah. Why are you being so, what are you trying to say? <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, anyway, so that, you know, combined that with the fact the team was pretty new there and they just loved the team. It was a small enough town that, you know, you had that like everyone knew who the Titans were. So, yeah. you know, you never had to make dinner reservations. Yeah, there you, wasn't any other professional team either. At, at the time, there wasn't, right? The yeah. Predators got there after, right after that. But, you know, it was it was an amazing experience. Like, you know, you get pulled over by the cops, you know, for speeding, whatever, and they'd be like, oh, and they'd talk to you about the game for a few minutes. Like, <laughs> no, seriously. No, no you never had to make reservations. You'd walk in, they'd be like, oh, Drew, come on, we got a special table for you, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's like I'm not Dan. Wow. Dan, I would go wow. out. So I don't have a. I didn't get to play professional football like that. I played in Calgary for God's sakes. They treated you similarly there, um, but I would go visit him, and he was a bona fide celebrity. Yeah, like fucking bona fide. Nice. It and was in really Nashville. Cool. It, yeah, it, mm-hmm. awesome. You know, got to hang out with a bunch of you know famous. Uh, became friends with some you know some music uh, folks, and it was a I really bet. cool experience. Yeah, I was backstage at Bon Jovi one night. Uh, with you know, a buddy of mine and Faith Hill and Tim McGraw were standing there. This is like, you know, maybe third, my third year. And my buddy that I was with actually worked for Faith's management 
uh, teens. So he like kind of, you know, kind of knew her, like probably knew his name. And he's like, dude, she's a, she's a big Drew Bennett fan. You should go say hi. I'm like, I'm not going to go bother Faith Hill. You know, like that's, I, that's awesome, but I'm not going to go bother her. And like 10 minutes later, she walks over. She's like with Tim, Drew, I just wanted to say hi. I'm such a big fan. You know, I'm like, Oh, I told you, Dan. Oh, I made it. Faith Hill told me she's a fan. I made it. Oh, is she as uh, uh, beautiful in real life as she appears to be on TV? Yeah, she's a beautiful woman. Yeah, I love no, how I, she's there with McGraw. like Drew. Yeah, <laughs> honey, like, Tim, do you mind if we have a moment? Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> could you just wait in the green room, please? Yeah, Tim. Yeah. Uh, Tim's like Drew. I, I want to tell you something. Yeah, Faith and I are swingers. <laughs> All right, so movie, there's a there's a critical point that I thought was a, a fork in the road in Drew's career that I want to make sure we get to before we uh, uh, before we continue moving. So there was a three game period in the uh, in what year was that? Was that your third or fourth year? 2004, my fourth season. His fourth season where he broke you know NFL records for. Uh, you know, a three game period. So Drew, talk us, uh, talk through a little bit about that because all of a sudden, you know, he was, he had made the team as the number three wide receiver of the Titans. Like people knew him if you knew NFL football, but then all of a sudden he's right. like getting interviewed on ESPN sports center because he had an unbelievable three game run. So talk, talk about, talk us through that. That was an awesome experience for all of us. Yeah, it was interesting. The, the start of that season in the second preseason game, I broke two ribs in Buffalo and so Fisher, who... That's the start of a horror movie. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> my, my high school career. Yeah. I broke two ribs in Buffalo, and then I got molested. <laughs> Sorry, keep going, Drew. That would be a great rodeo song. Um, right. But yeah, so I broke the ribs in Buffalo, So it was, which I appreciated that Fisher, as strange as he is, he didn't want anybody to know that, so he kind of kept under wraps. I didn't play anymore in the preseason, but I still had those broken ribs for the first two games of the year, and so I was struggling... But nobody really knew why. You know, I, I, I couldn't practice. And when I would get shot up for the games, I was tentative. I had a few drops. And it was just a frustrating start to the season. Um, you know, so for the first seven games or whatever, it wasn't – I just wasn't – you know, I started to heal about five, six games in. Started to play a little bit better. And then McNair got hurt and got taken out. And Billy Volek came in, who, you know, is my boy, Fresno State guy. And we sucked as a team. So we were always behind. We always had to throw. We're always two touchdowns down, which is great for receivers and quarterbacks. So <laughs> we started throwing like Billy Bullock set the NFL record. He had 436 yards in his first start and 496 yards in his second start. So back to back, very first two games starting, he threw for like almost a thousand yards. And um, we just like, you know, we're super dialed in and it became so fun. I was healthy. I was as confident as I've ever been. And we had to throw the ball a lot. So we, you know, we, I think it started in India. I had like four catches and three touchdowns for like 150 yards. And then, uh, what was it? Um, went to the Raiders. Or, you know, I think, no, no, it was like Christmas, Christmas Eve. We played Kansas City at home and I had like 12 for 233 and three touchdowns. And these are the, oh they're record breaking. Keep going. Third game. And the next game, we went to the Raiders and I had like 13 for 170 or something. And I was at that game, by the way. Um, for yeah. two touchdowns. And so it was like, you know, three, eight, eight touchdowns over three games and, uh, you know, franchise record for catches and all that stuff. But the funny part, so that uh, Christmas, you know, I, I was I always went through all my mail, right? So I was the guy that was like, oh, if I could make the team, I'm going to send every piece of mail back. And that was a big mistake, but I did it. Um, and so I got this letter one time. <laughs> he, I became, up, he became uber famous. Yeah. yeah, and a check fell out. And I was like, oh, I got to read this one. So I find this check and it's a story. And it was a guy who's like, you know, I was down to you only for Monday night against Kansas City 
at the for my Super Bowl on my fantasy football league, and the guys were saying like, "Dude, you need forty points to win. Like, you to tie. No receivers don't do that. Like, just you know, pay the man his money." He's like, "No, Drew Bennett, I'm gonna I'm gonna pay him ten percent of the winnings." <laughs> and so I did. What was it? Twelve for two hundred thirty-three and three touchdowns, which was forty-one points in his fantasy league. That's a good. Sent me this whole letter with a ten-dollar check. So I wrote, you know, thank you on the memo line and cashed it. That a boy. That's um, awesome. Yeah, so it was, it was just really fun. And like Corey was saying, it was, you know, I wasn't, my contract year wasn't until the next year, but, you know, that at least, you know, really kind of put me on the map as far as being considered a, a two receiver, at least, if not like a really bad one. <laughs> but so, but so to put it into perspective then, Dan, so now he's not making league minimum anymore. Now yeah, he's no, getting paid, he, you know, right. a million dollars plus a year. Yeah. And not to get into, you know, make him feel awkward, but everybody knows oh, that, no. NFL, yeah. <laughs> everybody knows NFL players don't work for minimum wage. No, so, yeah. <laughs> So then he goes through a, a larger free agent process, uh, gets uh, courted uh, to, by multiple teams. And, and Drew, how, how what was that like to be, you know, actually, you know, courted in the free agent process? Was it hard to leave Tennessee? How close were you to staying? Why did you choose the Rams? You know, I, looking back now, there's so many other decisions to you know, because my experience in St. Louis really was the one that's kind of sucked the love out of football, and I, I think I would have played longer had I chose somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just anyway, but the, the process was amazing, right? The process was playing these games of having people, my agent, having people release articles saying that so-and-so is thinking about bringing them in just to get interest from somebody else and kind of have people show their cards and play this team off this team. And, you know, it was interesting The new England Patriots, uh, who was it? The Niners minimally. Um, and then the St. Louis Rams were the one out of nowhere. They had Torrey Holt and Isaac Bruce at the time. Right. Uh-huh. So it was really random that they, you know, showed so much interest in, in me, but they also had at the time I'd had, I had a really bad knee. I'd just come off microfracture surgery and, you know, granted who would have known what happened if I went to new England and played up there with Tom Brady and, you know, continue my career there. But they oh. had a really, really regiment, a really, really strict physical for free agents. And my knee was a mess. And, St. Louis, which their staff I learned was awful, you know, like their physical process was a joke. And so my agent said, like, like how do you feel? You feel good? Yeah, no, literally, like, I got x-rays, which don't show any cartilage damage, right? And the guy, like, made me do two squats, like, with my body weight. He's like, okay, great, you know, good to see you. Like, wait, what? You're going to give me... Here's $30 million. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I went to St. Louis for that purpose, and... You know, even though I didn't think it was the best situation for like winning or whatever, man, obviously free agency, your first time especially is uh, is all about money. And, you know, they were ponying up the most money and they offered the most money and they negotiated, you know, with the with, you know, the most dire need to get me on. on you know, they didn't want to put me on the plane on the way home. They're like, no, no, we changed your flight. You're going to stay here another you know, few hours. We're going to we're not letting you go. We want to get this done. So it was, you know. It was a life-changing experience, you know? Yeah, like, I mean, when you signed that paperwork, that had to have been, I mean, Dan, like this, he gets to sign something that is officially going to change his... They gave his, me a check. They gave me my signing bonus check there when I went home. So I flew home <laughs> Oh, my so, God. He's like, yeah. can you put it in the... Can you make it the big one? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm not checking this. Overhead bend my ass. Look yeah. at that. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, but it's... that. I mean, can you imagine what that must well, feel like, Well, that changed your life for generations. Though. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. that's big, and it was exciting. I, it was it was awesome to be there uh, through the through the whole process. Um, but was it how how sad was it, and how easy was it to actually stop playing football, Drew? You know, I, I, like I said, I had such a bad experience in St. Louis. They kind of lied to me about what their plan was long term for me with 
cutting Isaac Bruce and, you know, my, my reps. And then the team was two and 14 and three and 13. I was hurt all the time and, you know, bashing the media there. Cause why the hell did we pay this guy all this money? And he's not even performing. And they, they, they got rid of Isaac Bruce my second year. Great. You know, you want to be the guy that comes in after a dude plays 16 years and is like the city icon and try to fill in for him. Then you keep getting hurt and your team sucks. Like that's a lot of fun. So it just kind of, you know, burned me out through all that process. And when I signed with Baltimore and then didn't show up for camp, you know, Harbaugh was very understanding, but I didn't, I actually didn't think it was going to be as hard to walk away as it ended up being. You know, I was never a guy that thought I identified as an NFL player and I totally was. And it's, you know, you have this one focus for your entire life, everything you eat, every time you sleep, everywhere you go, everything you work out and eat, you know, and, and like vitamins and all these, everything is focused on one thing is being the best football player and, and football. And, all of a sudden you wake up one morning and not only do you not have the structure of like, hey, 6 a.m. you're going to go meet 53 guys that are all very similar to you and, you know, have the same motivation and the same, you know, structure and social outlet. And you sit on your bed and you're like, whoa, what am I going to do today? And I can eat whatever I want. There's no more drug tests. Let's go crazy. No, I'm kidding. But, uh, no, no, I'm kidding. But the, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. So I, I did, I was fortunate. I worked at ESPN for a year. Cause that was a nice transition. I didn't yeah. want to watch football until I got there and, you know, like had a different angle on it because it's kind of, I was so, I missed it. It was just crazy. Right. I'm the one that chose to walk away. I could have played that year, but I still missed it. And, and, uh, you know, it was a nice transition. Well, and, and now you get a chance. I, I've seen, I've seen some footage of you going on TV up there in the Bay area. You look great by the way. Are you taking uh, medicine for your hair? I stopped. <laughs> You see, got actually got a, still got a decent a thing of hair. Of hair. Yeah, right. Well, I, I'm telling you, I, I had a little dish. I started taking Propecia, and then I heard all these horror stories about it. Uh, you know, yeah, you know, we know. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I stopped taking it. Like I, I don't care. I'd rather. Yeah, be hey, I could use all the help in that category I could get. Right. <laughs> I'm not taking that thing anymore. <laughs> so he's been on TV up, up, up north. Um, you know, we appreciate him coming on again. Uh, and so, but and Drew, before we let you go. We we want to make sure that you're on we're the same. Already? No no no, we're not done. But we want to make sure <laughs> that we're you're we, we you're prepared to come back in the future because I I think Drew's got. I this is a weekly thing. You promised I, me that. You... What well, we can't afford them weekly. <laughs> I'm fired. No, you're not fired. Oh, I told okay. you. Right. You're always the producer. Okay. All but right. some I'm not good enough to carry this show on my own. All right. So. We'll just put Drew's name in the title of the show, and to, the, you can take next week off. Episode you. eleven, he's co-hosting. <laughs> we might need him to do a separate yeah. jump in. Sometimes I might not be he available. Might be busy, right? All right, so he's going to be a multiple. Your nails did. <laughs> the nail appointment will be earlier. You can't make it, <laughs> right? So, Drew, moving on to a little bit of NFL. So, there's a, there's a lot more stories that we're going to get to in the future, but uh, you know, we could talk for literally three hours with this guy. Oh, easily, can't you tell? Yeah, you can tell, right? I told you this oh, yeah. is going to be good. Oh yeah. Um, all right. So moving on to a little bit of division around football. Um, yeah. I, I, did you were you surprised by the any of the games that happened last week? And then we'll move into the conference championship. I was surprised that the Chargers Philly sucked. Really won that game. Oh, you know, Sean Jeffrey, come on, dude! I've, I've done the exact same thing. <laughs> Two thousand three, I dropped the same. I mean, same time, same situation, same score. How oh. crazy is that? And then I got death threats in the mail. We'll talk about that in the show. But, um, no, I, just, I, was, I was surprised that the Rams in the last few weeks, or I mean, sorry, excuse me, the Saints in the last few weeks have really not been the same Saints team that was thriving in the middle of, towards the end of the you know middle end of the season. I mean, Philly went in there and lost forty eight to seven four weeks before that, or five right. weeks before that, right? And to yeah. go in there and have a chance to win the game with 
you know, still, I mean, they, they're a little bit healthier. Fletcher Cox was healthier and they had one of their defensive backs back, but like, it's just, that's not the same Rams team that was kind of boat racing people. I think I'm taking the Rams this week, you know, even though, and I, I I'm think taking that, the money line. Yeah. I got money line with, I got money line with them and money line parlayed with uh, Patriots. Uh, me too. I feel like there's a lot of pressure on Andy Reid. Everybody thinks he can't coach in some of these bigger situations. Mahomes is a, obviously an unbelievable talent. You, 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 you like Mahomes, don't you? I think he's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. But you, do you agree that he, he, he forces it a little bit at times? You no, know, I don't, I don't think you can say that with his no. ratio of touch of, you know, touchdowns to. No, you're right. You're right from a statistical standpoint. I think he's going to have to force it a little bit tomorrow, and I think he's going to make a few mistakes. And I and I, I have a hard time watching the way that Brady and Belichick dismantled the Chargers, who I thought was much were much better. I think that they're going to have a good game plan. I agree with you on Patriots in the money line. Yeah, and I think you know the Chargers defense is significantly, at least it has been all season, significantly better than the Chiefs defense. Yeah. And they dice those guys up, right? And I know that the Chiefs played really well last week against Indy. Their defense, you know, statistically played awesome, but that hasn't been the case all season. So I just, you know, there's nobody that game plans better. Yeah. Maybe a cheater. I don't know where he gets his info, but there's nobody that game plans but better. But is love him or hate him, is, I feel like the Patriots, you either love them or you hate them. They're like the Cowboys too, and they're like Kaiser. <laughs> I don't know. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I maybe I just um, I, I used to be the same way. I don't really. I mean, they're care. so good. They're so good. It's almost like the Yankees now. We're like, yeah. if they win, so what? You know, I'd rather somebody win. But you can appreciate this superiority. Yeah, superiority. <laughs> so, I, so I mean, eight, eight, Dan, eight years in a row, the Patriots have made it to the AFC Conference Championship. Yeah. That's unheard That's of. Nuts. Won the division like twelve, right? Something yeah, like. it's unbelievable. And so, so are you saying that? So Rams, uh, Patriots, who do you think uh, comes out ahead at the Super Bowl? If it's, in fact, uh, Rams, Patriots. I think Rams. I yeah. think the Rams win it. I think the Rams defense matches up well. Um, that D-line is nuts. Yeah, with two weeks to prepare, too, I think that the Rams defense matches up well. And I, I would be surprised if they didn't – if McVeigh with two weeks – didn't have t- a, you know a change for Aaron Donald like maybe not even down in that you know three technique maybe he puts him on the edge to change it up to really just get pressure on Brady. My, my my NFL for me is quick release, accurate quarterback, pass rush. Those three things you can be in the Super Bowl every single year if you have those three things. You know you can be okay at every other spot, but if you have those three pieces, you can always compete for a Super Bowl. Do you see that intel he just gave us? That, that was like a truth bomb. That was. Right? I actually got goosebumps when he really, said it. Yeah. <laughs> it sounded like he was a freaking GM. Let's put a team together right now. <laughs> I love it. Oh, man. Well, listen, Drew, so we're we're uh, we're going to be excited to have you on again, man. I, this is like practically needs to be – We I think we should just do this from now on. Okay. Um, <laughs> but, Drew, thanks so much for, for spending your Saturday morning with us. Uh, we, we know our listeners are going to enjoy it. It's been great. Can't wait to have you back on, man, and uh, and really, really thank you very much. I appreciate the time, guys. It was fun. Thanks, Drew. Take, take it easy, bud. Oh, what a what a hell of a guy, huh, oh Dan? Oh, my God. Huh? huh? He's going to be a great addition to the show. I, I agree. <laughs> I, you, you think <laughs> he even really better? He really is great. You oh, think, my God. He is good. And, and similar to the – remember when we did that with Chenoweth? There, there's a natural flow there. Oh, yeah. You know? And, and, oh, yeah. And with Rusty, too, like I, I feel like these are the – like remember we talked about the two fists – yeah, last week the you know, apostles. The, the apostles. Yeah, Drew is no question. Oh yeah, he's he, one of your apostles. He's, he's 
he's the number one, right? He? And right. he's a fuck. This guy's an apostle, right? Uh, two fists, the camaraderie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, all right. So, Dan, Talk to me. excited to keep moving here. Um, you know, I, I am excited to watch the uh, conference championship tomorrow too. Like it's yeah. it's one of the biggest. Obviously, the Super Bowl, it, it, but there's only one game. Both right. of these these four teams get a chance to play for an opportunity to go to the Super Bowl. This is personally my favorite uh, uh, d- uh, weekend slash day of sports. Is that right? Of any sport? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, for some reason, I just love having the back to back games. And in yeah. seeing the guys get so excited to be able to go to the mm-hmm, Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and I went to my first Super Bowl last year, uh, and it's great. But I'm going to the, we're going to the Super Bowl this year too. We got some media passes. Nice, yeah, nice. Going to be something's going to be brewing all over that place. Oh yeah, yeah. I can't wait. All right. Anyway, so in closing, pause laws, baby. Pause laws, baby. Pause law number six as a reminder. Number one, keep a positive attitude at all times. Number two, don't forget to pause and reflect. Number three, always position yourself for success. Number four, never play possum. Number five, everyone needs some apostles. Hopefully they're lucky enough to have guys like that, huh? (laughs) Uh, And number six, remember a round of applause. Now you might think, what the hell is that? Are you thinking that, Dan? No. No. Do you get it? I do get it. Yeah, I absolutely get it. Because sometimes when I tell tell people, they're like, I don't understand what you're talking about. Well, then you've never had someone give you a round of applause. Yeah. You know what that feels like? Yes, I do. And I don't care how far back you got to go, Dan. It's good. There's not a person on this planet except for maybe Helen Keller, all right, (laughs) (laughs) that doesn't know what it's like to get a round of applause to a certain extent. Right. All right? Okay. Um, and, And the point of... That being a pause law is the muscle memory and the mind memory behind that. Mm -hmm. So if you're following me, you connect the dots between that feeling you got when you had a round of applause, Mm -hmm. but it's a round of applause. You feel that energy. You know what that's like. You replicate it. You acknowledge it. And nothing else gets in your mind from a negative standpoint. Right, Right. Right. Does that make sense? It does. So, you know. Seek those moments out. Remember those moments. I don't care if you got to go back to freaking Little League, okay? (laughs) And it's never too late to start following the pause laws, Dan. All right? So I I always like that one. You know, we're going to run out. Number seven is going to be finally, you know, next week. But I love the round of a pause because it immediately, I'm sure you can even see by the way I'm talking, like brings me back to to those moments when you had them. Well, yeah, because and, and how can you be in a bad mood? Right, exactly. But you know? in life, we uh, we're always so focused on moving forward. Yeah, and sometimes I know I can get very focused on things that have gone wrong because those are on fire. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. So it is super important to stop every once in a while and go. No, you know what? Remember some of those good times that went man. well. Yeah, like there's when nothing things wrong go with well. That. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks again for joining us. Hope you have a fantastic rest of your morning, a beautiful afternoon, or a wonderful evening and remember when you keep a positive attitude something's always brewing
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.